Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Butch Daily Podcast. This is Kathy Wilder, and I'm coming to you straight from the mountains of San Diego. I'm up here with my beautiful wife, son's away at school, and we are so very happy to be here tonight. I'm happy to be here tonight with all of my Butch brothers. First time. <laughs> first, first live record, first Zoom recording in 2022. Whoa. Woo-hoo. Wild. Can you guys hear me? Sorry, yep. my ears went out. Hey, y'all. This is Mags coming from either farther in the south in Bardstown, Kentucky, with my beautiful wife, Lindsay LaMaster. Uh, and Jolene is still here. Don't you worry. And my three pups which hopefully they will add no more to the list. Zoe, Frankie Lou, and Lil Jean. Don't get no more country than that. Glad to be here, y'all. Janelle from Oakland in the very gay Bay area, being as butch as I want to be with my lovely wife, Nancy, and my twinsies every now and again. And then also a very sick cat named Minnie. Let's just all take a moment for Minnie. All right. Mm -hmm. Minnie moment. Right. Thanks. Happy, still happy to be here. Mm -hmm. All right. Hey, this is Dana here in Humboldt County, California. Super excited to be back together with my buds here on the Butch Daily podcast. Uh, You know what, though? It's uh, we're in California. We're heading into spring. Super exciting. Mm. That means a lot of beautiful, fresh vegetables and fruits to eat. I love eating a good fruit. One of my favorites. (laughs) One of of my favorites is the apricot. I love apricots. Mm -hmm. Yes. 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 What you were thinking. Anyway, uh, one of our sponsors, the Feather Falls Brewing Company, has their Thunder Ale, which is apricot wheat. And uh, if you're in the Orville, Sacramento, Butte County, Sacramento County area, you should uh, try it out. Thunder Ale, Apricot Wheat, from Feather Falls Brewing Company. Yum. You said you didn't have any Yum, jokes, I would Dana. slurp that right up. Mm. <laughs> well, Janelle kind of served it up for me, and I had to... Oh, please no sound effects. <laughs> no, that was good. That was really good. It was excellent. Like, uh, yes, I'll support good you. Good timing. Good timing. Should I talk about Hot Seat? Go for yeah, it, we'll Dana. Yeah, you should. Do it. I heard I'm getting to introduce the hot seat question this uh, this round. Um, so, you guys, I'm curious how you would react to a situation such as this. If you're in a public setting uh, with a lot of your peers around you, like your work colleagues and, and such, and uh, someone makes it a disparaging remark towards you in front of all those folks, would you, how would you respond? Would you appreciate if your spouse were to respond in a violent act? I'm going to go, Mags, how would you feel? Well, if my spouse would react in that way or if I would react for my spouse, I'm going to give you both. If, well, either way, if my spouse were to be violent in that sense, in the sense of defending my honor or something that she felt hurt my feelings or 
was against me, I would stand behind her 100%. Uh, because let's be honest, I am in no way perfect. And I know it's unpopular opinion, but if you go out of your way to say something, joke, not a joke, those kind of joke, joking around in, in situations like that are not fun for me and they can still be cruel. So if you do something like that, that comes at my partner, I'm going to punch you in the face. Okay. So the question is... That's- yeah, the uh, the other side. Like, what if they there was a, a joke made, uh, disparaging or not, a joke made towards you, and your partner reacted in a violent way in front of your counterparts and your colleagues in your workspace. I support my partner one hundred percent, and if that's how she felt about it, and she felt that strongly, and it was something that upset her to that point, then I will support her. And if she decided to punch someone that I trust my partner enough to know that they probably deserved it. <laughs> All right. Ooh, awesome. Good. Kathy, what about you? Yeah, that's such a, that's a tough one. Uh, I think uh, like mags, I kind of go straight to what would I do, but thinking about what my spouse would do, I think it would be uh, in some contexts. Uh, I think I would welcome some, uh, like being defended because I feel like that's my, that's my role a lot of times. And it feels really nice. I think my partner, my wife, Hannah is uh, an incredible supporter and she would go to the mat for me. So I think she could do that. Um, We work kind of in the same field. So I don't know, similarity to a recent story potentially. So it would impact both of our work colleagues. Um, I think I would be worried about her and like the ramifications for her. Um, but for doing that, but I also can understand uh, that uh, she was sticking up for me. So I don't think violence is a, is generally a good thing. And I also understand the inclination to to defend and to and just to the overwhelmed feeling of wanting to defend the person you love. I get that, and I think my wife would do that if she seemed that was a, thought that was the proper reaction. So. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because this question is a little bit more complex when phrased this way, um, Mm -hmm. because um, my wife and I live in a very butch femme dynamic, right? So if um, neither of us is completely butch or completely femme, but the dynamic is pretty solidly there. And so the first thing I would do if my wife hits somebody because they were mean to me would be to call the doctor because it's completely out of her character. I'd be like, something's <laughs> yeah. wrong with Nancy. <laughs> totally. She might have a brain tumor. But this is a really super sexist, you know, moment for me. And of course, I've been like being blown away recently after our last podcast about like gender bias everywhere and especially coming from me. So it's very hypocritical for me to say this because I would support Nancy wherever she felt, my wife, wherever she felt it was appropriate to be violent because she's not a hot-headed, at times irrational, very act before you think and then ask questions later, um, butch, lesbian, that's me. And so if, if, if my wife felt the need to do that, I'd have her back the whole way. Yeah. But if the re- if reality spoke as in somebody said something that I perceived as offensive to her, I have been married to two, you know, amazing, intellectual, strong women. And both of them have said, 
don't call me, I'll call you. Like they don't want that kind of help. Mm -hmm. So it's really quite interesting. I feel a little bit hypocritical and I'm letting some of my gender bias show there. So trusting everybody's safe space. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I think what is coming out of that dialogue is that we don't, we don't know someone else's marriage or circumstances And so to have our opinions and comment on it and what would I do? Like, it's, it's fine for the conversation, but the truth is, is we don't know what goes on in other people's lives and other people's marriages Mm. and everybody has their, it's complicated. You said it, you know, it's very complicated and there's no, um, I don't know, in my view, there's no right or wrong. It's just how it is in your couple situation. Uh, my answer is if my wife did that, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be super surprised because it actually wouldn't be the first time. Um, and I would go into like reaction uh, mode of like, <laughs> you need to calm down. Like, you know, like, settle down. Settle down. It's okay. Uh, yeah. Which always works so good, so well, right? Yes, you're they, like, yeah, always say calm down to your hot-headed wife. That yeah. is such a good idea. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Those words have been extricated. Jo- he has this joke exactly. where she says calm down to herself and it doesn't work. So no one else should say it to her either. So. <laughs> Does she punch herself or slap that. herself across the face? <laughs> I love exactly. that. Thanks, you guys, for indulging me in that moment. Great, great question, Dana. I love that question so much. It's really good. Well. A lot is going on in this world, and we're, we picked just two of the things. Although I do feel we didn't talk about this earlier, but I do want to just put uh, out a, a sense of love and support and care and concern for the people in Ukraine and all that they're going through right now. So just to kind of yeah. put that out there. Oh my God, yes. Uh, Slava Ukraine. Here, here. Yeah. I will post on our page uh, some well vetted organizations you can donate to. Uh, that I've been researching myself. So we'll put that out there for everybody if you want to look look for those. But we also have a couple other uh, uh, items on the list. Uh, and Janelle, would you like to talk about it first? Yes. Um, let's talk about Brittany Griner. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about an amazing WNBA um, hotshot, amazing, just like amazingly tall, powerful WNBA bas- professional basketball player who, because of the sexist construct of the NBA, doesn't make enough money playing the season on the American team or in Amer- on any American team, and then therefore must make up the rest of her um, her yearly income playing abroad internationally. So that's a big problem right there. Who was playing in Russia, was picked up at the airport for something that nobody has proven. And I'm not even gonna say it because that's a big problem for um, people who are in custody abroad is that people say, oh, they did this thing. And that's why they're being held. The truth is there's no proof that she did this thing. She was picked up in Russia at an airport and has been held captive there, prisoner Mm -hmm. um, during this entire awful, destructive, barbaric, invasion of uh, Ukraine and a little bit before that actually happened. And it's horrifying. And although, you know, uh, her partner and she's an out clearly lesbian over six foot tall, amazingly structured African-American basketball player 
who is now being held as a prisoner in Russia. And I'm not comfortable with it. I'm not happy about it. I'm yep. not hearing about it enough in mainstream media at this point. Yep. It was a slow rollout. Her partner confirms that that was to see if anything could be done sort of behind the scenes to, to achieve her release. But at this point, it's like NBA, step up. WNBA, where are you at? What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that so Brittany Kreiner is has been playing in Russia since 2015. So it's not, it's not she's not new to the place. Okay. So the timing is really questionable to me. I also feel she, she was she was one of the very first out uh, uh, gay people in the WNBA. Although uh, I don't think any of us would have had any uh, questions about it. <laughs> FYI. Uh, no, she was born out. <laughs> I, or she's one of, she seems to be one of those folks, but uh, she's. She's a hundred uh, footer. She's a, yeah, exactly. She's six, nine. FYI, just to kind of clarify, she's very tall, uh, played know, for Baylor. Right? I mean, she's really very good, uh, but also she's familiar with Russia. So the fact that she's being detained in Russia is familiar with her. So this is not new. This is a, definitely a, a feels like a a moment of to be afraid of because it is illegal to be gay in Russia. Illegal. So I think there's a lot of concern right now, and I'm excited that the players of the WNBA are stepping up to support her and to to get her home uh, along with her wife. What are the uh, the players doing, Kathy? So they've uh, made a formal complaint and also uh, charged the WNBA organization to move the mountains they can to bring Brittany Griner home. Now, she has given, been given uh, access to the consulate, the American consulate in Russia, and she's, the things are turning to turn a little bit, but it's been very slow movement. And she was arrested in, the, in mid-February, so it's been a long time. So uh, with really minuscule uh, charges about uh, cannabis oils in a vape pen, basically that, I mean, it's this very minor, very Which small. Which are thing. not confirmed and remain alleged. Exactly. Uh, completely alleged uh, uh, charges at this point. So yeah. it's really over the top. Um, but Because the United States is not uh, officially responding as uh, the, we, Russia is an enemy of the United States at this point. There's no like prisoner of war status, like none of those statuses that might offer some protections. Mm -hmm. They aren't existing. Not yet. Correct. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, Today, Biden did call for war crimes because of a mass grave that was found outside of Kiev. Um, And so that could turn the tides. That's a great uh, reference point, Dana, to think about because she could become a prisoner of war. That's true. Absolutely. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Brittany Greiner, uh, we may talk more about her later, but uh, we're, we're uh, rooting for Absolutely. her and care about her and yeah. want to keep these issues up front. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. I'm, I'm feeling very fiery and shots fired in that. So I'm going to be slightly quiet on that one. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. Feel like if she wasn't a uh 6'9 queer black african-american <laughs> human of any sorts if she happened to be a white basketball player over there i feel like the tides would be very different which is bullshit 100 oops or or straight gave a little bit of an opinion yeah yeah well 
That's, a, that's an accurate opinion. That's an accurate assessment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The world is different when you look different, period. Yeah, that's right. Well, and I guess who's really experiencing that? Uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, uh, soon to hey, be... Ketanji Brown-Jackson! Soon to be <laughs> our next Supreme Court Justice. Uh, boy, yes. has she been through the yes. ringer. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> Anyone have any and favorite came moments? through it. Oh, oh, oh my, which one? I mean, favorite moments, favorite memes, it's too much. Yeah. It, yeah. it was my favorite. I can't help it, but I don't like to focus on the negative, but my favorite moments were watching those idiots like like devolve into crying puddles of quivering masses because she wasn't reacting to them like every other person does. Like as soon as one of those jackasses opens their mouth, I'm on fire and I'm yelling about it. Da, da, da. I am no Katanji Brown Jackson. I'm telling you that right now. I want to be more like her. Yes. She is now like some a, a very much a hero to me, but I'm not like that. But you know, she didn't give them one damn inch of what they wanted and they melted down over it. So part of one of my favorite moments, I hate to say it was that, but then watching her daughter look upon her mother with a look of love mm. and warmth and admiration as she spoke about the sacrifices it took to achieve this moment was just woo, mind blowing. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally fangirling on KBJ, the whole family. <laughs> mm. <laughs> what did you guys think? Oh, same, same. Absolutely. Just, uh, just watching the whole thing unfold. Uh, and I echo the, the thought about the watching her daughter react. I think that was probably the most powerful moment. And it echoes back to what we try to do here on the Butch Daily of just setting an example for the young people that might hear what we have to say. It's easy to get caught up in our own drama and the things that are going on in our lives, but people are watching us and listening to us. And we have to set that example. I, that really touched me. People yeah. are watching. I love the story she told about walking across the Harvard yard and uh, older when she was an undergrad and she's walking across the Harvard yard in the rain and she's, you know, away from home and feeling a little lost, you know, a little homesick and, a woman walks is kind of crossing her path and an older uh, African-American woman. And she just leans into her and says, persevere. Oh. And I, I mean, I tell that story secondhand. She told it, I had tears running down my face oh. and she's talked about how that made all the difference. And what Dana, you just said is exactly right. We're, what people say matters so much. And that like, this is a stranger to her and that, turn the tide for her in college and led her to where she is today. Right. In addition to all of her own amazing skills and oh. talents and hard work that she I'm going to look in. up that moment. My yeah. God. And that's oh, making me do. feel very emotional. My yeah. God. It was great. Are you verklempt? Are you okay? I, wasn't, I was <laughs> going to use McClempt. that term. Wasn't sure if it was acculturation. Yeah. So yeah. No, I think yeah. So is I love it? that story so much. So good. Yeah. Uh, so thoughts on KBJ, Max thoughts on KBJ. Badass. It should have happened a long time ago. I'm glad it's finally yeah. happening now. Hell yeah. You, uh, you little, you know, mm -hmm. club can sit back for once and shut mm. up and see what the, there it hopefully is. One, one step closer of having this nation run uh, from a woman's perspective. Because we haven't had that yet. Truth. And we keep repeating ourselves in the same history. So let's see what happens when the tides change. Yeah. 
I, I do want to say, just take a moment to say that I was very fearful that she wouldn't, that the support for KBJ would not come out of committee. And I thought to myself in that moment, well, at least it is indisputable that the usual monsters, right? McConnell, um, Graham, Fuck you, Mitch Holly, jackasses, trash bags. That they are, they are in, it is indisputable that they are racist, white supremacy oriented jackasses. So not only did we get that clearly on display, but we're also going to get this amazingly powerful, intelligent mm -hmm. gift to America on the SCOTUS. Mm. But when's it going to be enough? Well, Did Oh, it just frustrates me when I hear that because I'm like, when's it going to be enough? Like Mitch McConnell, like, dude, come on already. Like, retire or die or something. Like, well, I'm done with you. Yeah. Well, I had such unkind thoughts about Clarence Thomas, by the way, oh. when I heard that he... I'm I like, was going to talk felt, about that. Oof, it's an <laughs> ethics question for it me. Is. It's ethics. Girl, yeah. I'm like, why am I such an evil person? I'm like, dear God. I mean, if you haven't thought about whether or not it is or is not, Clarence Thomas is time to join you. If I could put my two cents, my two cents in, dear God, and then I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like invoking my God and the, a person's demise at the same time. And I'm like, oh. that's a cool question. Mm. Regardless of what happens, it doesn't mean it's not time for Clarence Thomas to step down. So I just Jeez. hope that exactly. he will make that yeah. good decision without it being a forced medical decision. So. So we shall see, and it's a new day, and it's a new era, and we can celebrate that representation is even greater today than it was yesterday for our Supreme Court, which is a very powerful body. So I'm excited, yes. personally, with an amazing, incredible, most qualified candidate of all time. Most qualified. Yes. yes. Well, what better way to kick off our topic tonight, which is butch icons, than with our latest, most amazing uh you know, just a great woman coming into the, the Supreme Court, you know, that's that's awesome. And representation is important. So I think uh, talking about butch icons is about our representation too. So we've had a bunch of conversations about this and I'm wondering if anybody wants to, um, why don't we have, a, would, Dana, would you be willing to get us kicked off tonight with your uh, your selected icons? Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I had a couple. Uh, my my thoughts were, I was, you know, I'm I'm attending a conference right now. It's the NICWA conference. It's National Indian Child Welfare Association, and it always puts me in this perspective of thinking about my own lineage and thinking about um, Indigenous people. And so, my, my two candidates today are Sharice uh, Davids and Susan Allen. Uh, they they bring a spotlight to um, not only just women and women that are in the LGBTQ two-spirit community, but involving themselves in, in politics and bringing to light so many things that just, I feel like they get just covered up and not talked about, um, super appreciate the work that they do. Hmm. And so those are my two candidates. Um, love them so much. Can you explain the two-spirit community to everybody? Well, two-spirit is the, the term that we use in the uh, indigenous community to describe someone who uh, does not prescribe to a binary of, uh, well, 
it actually comes across very binary because it says two spirit, right? <laughs> uh, but that's a whole other. <laughs> now I'm gonna now I'm gonna talk myself into a circle. Uh, two spirit is what we use to describe someone who uh, has a sexual attraction to someone not of their sex, but it also. I don't want to speak for every indigenous person. Obviously I cannot in any way, shape or form do that, but we, that, that also I feel like is inclusive of um, our trans folk, even though it, it says two spirit, which makes it sound very binary. It's in my eyes, mm-hmm. it actually isn't. It's, it's very inclusive. Mm-hmm. Well, that wouldn't be the first time that the English language fails to capture mm-hmm. the concept you. or spirit from mm-hmm. another culture. But I, I think yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying. Yep. Um, but my, I did have a question. Does the concept of two spirit encapsulate anything other than um, like, like LGBTQIA plus? Like, is it like two spirit as in I'm an old man and a young man, or is it just about sort of like um, sex and gender and sexuality. Yeah, sex and gender and, and sexuality. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you, Dana. Thank you for sharing that. As, as yeah. far as I know, I, I'm, I did not study in Native American uh, studies, so I'm definitely not. I, the... Go ahead, Max. I think you're right on the money with that because um, there's a similar where, I mean, it's essentially two spirits. Um, when we were in Oaxaca for Dios de los Muertos, um, there was a little town just outside of that where they were speaking about how it was kind of famous for having um, people who were essentially non-binary mm-hmm. that they considered to have both spirits of feminine and masculinity mm-hmm. inside them. Mm-hmm. And it would be majority of them were, um, you know, uh, people who uh, anatomically were male Mm-hmm. but um, would feel themselves to dress and be um, female or uh, uh, represent themselves as a woman. And they would marry and everything and be seen as a woman. Whereas also on the same sense, they had women or anatomical women, women who were born or people who were born as a woman um, who would grow up and be seen as a male within the village and could have a wife and so forth. And I thought that was really cool because I had no idea. Yeah, that that's the part about two spirit that I knew, but the whole sort of like the shades of gray, so to speak, are something that I wasn't aware of. Interesting. Mm. Thank you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Susan Allen and Sharice David, just like what they're doing in the world? Well, I know that I follow Sharice David's on Twitter and she is so amazing. Like, there was a quick moment about Sharice David's um, on Twitter or in the beginning of her getting her uh, represent, seat of representation for the state of Kansas. And it was like, oh, yeah, also I'm gay. But then after that, it was just positive message after positive message about the stuff she was doing to change people's lives for the better um, on a local level. And I thought to myself, this is the politician I want to follow, contribute to and just use as an example of what a decent politician should do. And was I in love with the fact that she was totally queer? And in my opinion, like she's got long hair and she's just very beautiful, but I don't think you could designate her as like femme or butch, but she's strong, man, really strong. 
So she would be one icon easily that way. The, the other politician that um, we're talking about, I'm not super familiar with, but I know that Sharice Davids, she works with youth. She works with unions. She works with all the right things. I, I, I often pray that God blesses her in what she's doing because it's all good stuff. Yeah, and Susan Allen, you know, she was one of the first, well, she was the first actually out lesbian uh, Native American woman elected to the legislature. So that's probably Hmm. uh, one of the biggest things that you're drawn to. But she really, in in her work and what I've read about, really tries to draw the contrast and contrast and the connection uh, between histories and recognizing the history, you know, she's in Washington, DC. She's on these like beautiful, amazing floors of all of American mm. history. Mm. And so when she speaks, she talks about like this other history that is Ugh. thousands of years old on the same land and tries to just draw attention to it. And I just appreciate that point of view and bringing that perspective to people that you, well, to all of us, right? Because we get so caught up in right now and what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. But it, people have existed on this land for a millennia. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Thank well, you, Dana. That's, that's amazing. I'm, I'm excited to know more about both of these people. Thank you. It's so good. Yeah, well, we've got another campaign season, you know, election season coming up, and I'll be following them closely and, and looking for ways to support them for sure, because this, this upcoming election season is super important as per usual. So the interesting concept um, of butch icons for me, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, we've talked about the Indigo Girls and and um, Rachel Maddow and, um, and these other um, people and celebrities that you know, people would recognize. And I thought to myself, I just don't know that that captures the icon concept for me. But I do want to talk about something a little more broadly. It's specific, but not celebrities, what I'll say. So when I was a child coming of age, before I even understood what me not fitting in meant in my world of like evolving, sex- of um, coming of age and becoming sexual, there were certain people I saw in my life um, that made me just absolutely captivated my my attention and made me feel invigorated and excited and curious and adventurous. And when I look back on it, it's perfectly reflected in Alison Bechtel's um, book, a, a graphic novel called Fun Home, where she kind of writes about this one day she was sitting at a diner with her dad, who's up a whole other issue. And this butch lesbian walks in and the way that Bechtel describes her like with the jeans and the, the keys on the belt loop and the <laughs> short hair and how Bechtel was like, Dang, that's, that's a thing. I don't know what it is. It's a thing for me. Um, that's what I'm talking about today. So I would say that for my, me, the, the butch icons that stand out to me right now are there are these two butches that lived my dad's friend, John Bate, had, they had a lot more, that family had a lot more resources at the time than my family did. And so we would go to his house in Redwood City with his wife and a couple of kids and ride horses and swim in the pool. And they had a slide, a, you know, water slide in the pool. And eventually he rehabbed the top of his garage into um, a unit. And believe it or not, these two thick, white, mulleted, lesbians like what you would call easily butch lesbians even though 
you know, they might not have both been identified as much, like moved in. And the first time I visited there, I was like, oh, and I, I, I promise, I, I feel myself remembering all the times that I sought out their visage. I wanted to see their face and look at their asses in their non-feminine jeans and look at their keys flopping off their belt loops <laughs> and look at their hair flowing out of their bat baseball hats. Oh, gosh. And just, and they smiled at me with their white skin and their light eyes. And I was like, wow. I mean, it's remarkable to me now, their um, race, but it's just like the typical, like, yeah, these are old school lesbians. These butches showed up for me because they made themselves visible. When I think about it now, you know, they were renting land or a home on someone else's land, but they still made it so that I could see them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they did it on purpose or not, but it, it was really important to me. Yeah, that's cool. So interesting. So those two gals are one of my, um, one of my, and then there was this really mean babysitter that my mom hired only, only when she couldn't find anyone else. And her name was Kim and she was Eric and David Wright's um, babysitter. And she was hella mean. (laughs) And like, like, I mean, she wasn't as mean as David sometimes, but we were like, what? (laughs) Like, she is not gentle, you know, but she was totally right there. Butch lesbian. Um, not, not a great babysitter, but still someone who I was like, well, okay. It can be like that too. You know, um, a little scared, but also a little bit like, wow, you could be that way. Okay. And then here's a, a deep one. And then I'm going to turn it over to, um, Mags or Kathy. There was a PE teacher. Her name was Ms. Telco. That's all I can remember about her for now, but she was wrinkled in ornery when we met and just crushed students every damn day in my middle school, junior high school experience. And she wore like a jogging suit every day. And when I think about how I felt about her back then, it was a little bit repulsion because I got in trouble and she made me clean up like tampons and stuff. I was like, this is not right. Um, But of course I'm certain I deserved it, but she was so um, abused and oppressed and just attacked by all of us for no good reason, except she wasn't a feminine female. And when I think about her now with her matching jogging suits and her whistle and her hat on and her ability to come back to that crap every single day, it makes me want to find her and tell her that I have woven her into the fabric of my survival and existence Mm. and ability to thrive in circumstances because of who she was and how she was. And even though I didn't recognize it all right, then I will find her. And whether it's laying flowers on her grave or acting like a total freaking stalking the crap out of her, cyber stalking her and finding a way to run into her, I'm going to do it because she made it. She cut the hard road. I traveled an easy path compared to her. Yeah. So Miss Talco is also right up there. Those are my butch icons. <laughs> Magsy, go for it. Butch icons, you know, when I think of butch icons, I also want to identify a little bit with um, gender, queer, gender neutral, because that's where I stand. I consider myself to be a butch, gender, queer uh, human, a part of this podcast. And someone I was just thinking about that stuck out to me, well, some that are pretty obvious is, you know, Ruby Rose. Um, Kathy and I were talking about how she did Batwoman, and even though she had to wear that stupid red wig, which I hated. Uh, the worst. But that first episode before the red wig, I was just like, fuck yeah, like, I want to be Ruby Rose. Like, that thing was so cool. You know, to see a woman dressed as Batman, uh, and, or a person dressed as Batman and being like, hell yeah, like, 
Batwoman, get it. Um, and, and when they were like trying to decide between Batgirl and Batwoman, and I was like, really? It's a woman. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. And then uh, another big one that stood out for me is actually a character and not actually the actor. Um, at first, I was going to say Sarah Ramirez, but as you all know, she's very feminine, um, or at least her character is feminine. Uh, but she plays Shay Diaz, mm. who is a non-binary comedian in um, awesome. uh, Sex in the City. And to see them transform from this like Italian long-haired um, character in in uh, or this like very um, feminine super feminine family uh or family very um white heteronormative character to this like gender bending badass in these suits that every time i see their suits i'm like the fuck um Mm. they're in sex in the city yeah it's sex in the city not the l word um with sarah jessica parker but yeah, it was really cool to see their character transform and, and, and to realize I never really noticed them. Like, yes, I noticed they played a lesbian in um, Grey's Anatomy, but to see them be this like fucking baddie in uh, Sex and the City and to bring this role that's predominantly in a movie that is like the stereotype, you know, like you get with your girlfriends and share a glass of wine. Show. And I was like, I'm not watching that. And then I saw her playing this. And I was like, I'm going to watch this every episode. Yeah. Like, I love this character. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say icons. those two are big. And we came a long way. Like, a big one for me growing up was a terrible one. And I hated being referenced as this person was uh, Shane in the L word. Yeah. And I was just like, ugh, what a terrible character. First of all, which is we're getting, that's not very butch. Um, except they are. It's, uh, Kate Moaning is actually pretty butch and pretty cool in real life. Totally. Just hearing her podcast where she's a real human. But her character Shane was terrible. And a really poor mainstream representation of masculine women. Totally. So, yeah. Love it. Way to go, Shade Diaz and Ruby Rose, you badasses. <laughs> what baddies. Lindsay's teaching me new vocab for my grandpa's. <laughs> the youth. Mm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Shane because I think they're actively trying to reboot Shane in the new series as an actual butch, which I think is more, it's more effective now, but I do, I was really, I remember being personally offended by Shane (laughs) in the old series. Really? Um, Yeah, because I was, because Shane had some of the things that I was like, man, I wish that that was my life and that like, you know, Shane drove a Jeep and Shane was like, you know, mm-hmm. doing whatever they whatever they wanted in the world, and uh, but then they were like super promiscuous and super not that you know. And I'm not trying to be judgy. I'm just saying it's like it fits such the stereotype, this sort of chachi stereotype that it. Just, and then also Shane wasn't that, like didn't have like a real butch feel to them uh, that Correct. character. So just I don't know. It was confusing yeah. and also hard to feel like I didn't have representation. Yeah. You know. Well, it felt like yeah. it was yeah. very concentrated on the sexual activities of yes. Shane rather than who Shane was as a person. Yeah. Right. I mean, I agree. Um, the one thing that didn't resonate with me about Shane was in the L word was the times that she was not like acting like the honorable butch, you know what I mean? Yes. But, mm. but a lot of people thought what Shane was going through in the L word is totally implausible. 
And I was like, okay, they figured somebody figured something out here. This is a thing. So mm -hmm. that, that part actually really resonated with me. I'm not saying I approve of it. I'm just saying that I understood it. Yeah. And I could, but mm -hmm. it, and it could be perceived as a butch thing, her, her way of connecting with others. Um, but the rest of the vibe of, of Shane's vibe wasn't super butch to me. So I didn't know. And Max, I just yeah. want to say gender bending icons, welcome here. You know what I mean? I, I, I think it's really important to say for me, cause I'm like on a learning curve right now. I don't know why I thought I was way more woke about gender bias than I actually am, but it's like, I am, it makes perfect sense to me that gender bending icons is within our conversation of butch icons. So yes. And more. Yes. Both and. And, um, can I just state going back on this Kate moaning uh, Shane thing? It's funny that you mentioned the new re reboot where this they actually they actually don't say she or her for Shane in any of the new reboot, and it's because originally the show was produced through Showtime, which was mainly white male oriented, except yes. for Eileen Shiken or however you say her last name. I'm bad at it. Um, she was the director. However, everything and every episode that went through had to be approved by a board. Whereas now the majority of the people that put their money and time and in directing into it is Kate moaning and um, uh, Alicia. Alicia and, yes. And uh, Eileen, Jacob, which I'm so glad they brought her back because her vision was beautiful for that time. But to see them be able to not have that kind of like mm, masculine yeah, yeah, we're like, it's like, oh, here's another white man trying to tell me how to be uh, a queer yeah. human being. Like, that's weird. Not that we yeah. don't see that ever in this life, but I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. that, that really leads into to mine in that I I feel like there's a lot of, there has been a history of trying to be, to have safe, to have gay uh, representation, butch representation that's safe, that's a little bit, has, you know, that we're, <laughs> Where the the fearful straight you know men who are worried about the butches taking over um, can feel okay, and I think that's like I'm gonna flip back because I was a huge comic book fan as a kid, and so to see a character like Batwoman come in, uh, whether it be the uh, first or second season, two different Batwomans, both represented uh, women who were queer, and uh, and to have a character, uh, like a superhero character that was queer, you could you could just tell by the writing that, like, <laughs> she had a they had they put a red wig on this person who <laughs> it just was so crazy to me. It made me it made my skin crawl that they were not that long hair. <laughs> you can't have long hair if you're butch, but it just was like really femmy, uh, like this overtly femmy thing they did to a very butch character, very butch. Mm. Uh, which Ruby Rose has not always played a butch character. And then right. I thought that, you know, the movement that they're, you know, uh, to the uh, actress who played uh, the character in the second season, who is a black woman. Um, and I have her name. I'm going to put it up on our site, but I don't want to mispronounce it. So I, I want to make sure I, I'll put that up and make sure that it's uh, people know it, but um, you know, they changed the hairstyle to reflect her as a person, uh, a more traditionally uh, uh, African-American hairstyle. Uh, and still I was like, wow, they really have to put hair. Like they have to do it. They have to, they have to yeah. make this safe. So, but I'm, I am super excited about having, um, a lesbian superhero. I thought that was cool. And a, and a one that felt more butch than, than not. 
Uh, and then I'm going to just continue in the fantasy realm in that I think there's just there's so much great conversation around the character Louisa from Encanto, the latest yes. Disney movie, um, and uh, the, the the latest animated Disney movie, I should say. And um, uh, wow, talk about uh, a character that would never have happened when we were kids, like not ever that yeah. they would have quickly like curbed that into a man or change the way that she looks. Uh, I just think, you know, not to mention uh, the, the, the key song that she sings her solo uh, in the movie is about being under, like holding the weight of the world on your shoulders, which feels very wow. much like a butch characteristic. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So yeah. I just, I am just overjoyed that that character was there. And again, I think there was still some of those safety footholds put in place. Um, which is fine. I think people can be, uh, as we spoke about so much, uh, fluid in how they present and who they are. Uh, and I was, I just couldn't, I, my, I, my eyes were glued to Louisa the whole time that she's on the screen and just uh, so happy to see that. And that that she's the most popular of all the characters yeah. in that movie. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. they didn't see that coming a million miles away. Did, um, Dana and Max, have you guys seen Encanto yet? Yes. And fun fact behind that is that the creator who created Louisa fought for them to be a very like muscular, masculine character because they wanted to fem them up. They were not fem them up, but they wanted to make them a little bit more like soft and skinnier and everything. And the person was like, absolutely not. And when they were making the little dolls for them, they were shocked by how much more they sold of Louisa over any wow. of the other female characters, right. including the lead. Nice. Including Bruno. Well, um, yep. I haven't seen it yet. And I'm going now I'm after you guys have absolutely tipped the scales. I'm going to see it. Well, I don't have a TV and I don't like the kids to watch cartoon, whatever. Um, but the only person my, here with um, ch- children in elementary school. I just want to point out. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, they've seen it several times. Um, but this friend of mine who's also a therapist is always asking, have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? I'm like, no, why? And they're always like, because like what they do now is they always ask, which character are you in Encanto? And that basically reveals like the characters are so well evolved and developed that many, many people who are, are social workers and therapists across the nation are like, just tell me what character you are in Encanto and I'm going to understand everything about you. <laughs> because I, and, and, if, and if Luisa is what you say she is, then I need to go see that because there I am in the Disney Pixar set or whatever. Whoever knows what you, who you are in that movie. I don't know. That's an yeah. interesting. Well, I don't. I know exactly now. I need to know who am I exactly. Dear God, you can what? watch it anywhere. I'm going to help you watch that movie. It's going to be great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There it is. Moving along, and so butch icons. Kathy, did we hit all yours? <laughs> hit all mine, and uh, I do think um, I just want to put a little promo out to a cool, like, short video that's free on the internet. You can find it. It's called Butches and Studs in Their Own Words, and it's just a bunch of. Uh, people, including people like uh, Roxanne Gay and Leah Delaria and people like that who are all having a conversation about who, what it's like to be butch. Uh, and I think it's, inter- speaking of sort of iconic people of our time, um, these people are all self-identified as butches and studs and they are together talking. And I think it's uh, kind of a cool uh, thing to look at. So I'll, I'll also be sure to put that up so people can see it. But Post it up. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, anything else, everybody? 
We feeling good? Feeling real good. Cool. But speaking of posting up, I would like for any of our listeners who want to share who they are and why in a short and concise tweet um, to hit us up at at Butch underscore daily on Twitter. Why does that have to be short and concise? Well, because Twitter is like limited in their characters or hit us up a little bit longer in the Facebook, um, the Butch Daily. I mean, trust me, I'm not the one to call people to make people be short and concise. That's not my role in this world. I I thought the English teacher was coming out in you. You're like, this is the word limit. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, I never sounded like this while I was teaching, Dana. Maybe in 20 years I will. But thank you. Not every teacher is an old Butch lady. 400 character limit. Okay. In any case, if I may, Kathy, is this a good time for this? Please. Yes. Please um, hit us up on Twitter at, at Butch underscore daily and tell us what character you are in Encanto and why in as many characters as you want, apparently, or on Instagram at hashtag the Butch daily or on Facebook at our the Butch daily page. And of course, we'd love to hear from you via email at the Butch daily at gmail.com. And for what Dana decides is the most compelling answer, we shall send a six pack of Feather Falls Brewing Company beer. So be sure to put your answers up there on our social media and the winner will be notified in a week. Dana, I see your hand is raised. Can we send alcohol through the mail? Is that okay? Absolutely. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we can figure it out. All right. All right. And we will be abiding by all laws. Thank you, Officer Dana. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. And our favorite, favorite butch icon, uh, a musical performer. Yeah. um, You know, before we head off here, I think it's good to talk about a, 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 recent day butch icon that's been in this mix for a minute um my friend veronica may um who's been so gracious to allow us to have her intro music in the begin and the beginning parts of the podcast um and what the, her work is amazing and and to see them thriving as a open out proud queer um butch artist is is you know pretty iconic if it was my opinion. So thank you. Veronica May. So uh, thanks so much for being with us tonight. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout to uh, some folks that have been great supporters in addition to, of course, Feather Falls uh, Brewing Company. Uh, The uh, uh, Butch Boudoir Project is doing great work. Please check them out on Instagram. Uh, And uh, of course, Dapper Boy, we want to give a special shout to Dapper Boy and all the work they're doing. They provided a lovely shirt for Mags for their um, reception dinner. Is that right, Magsy? What, what did oh. you think about that? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They did an amazing job uh, sending me a shirt for the wedding festivities, and um, I couldn't be more grateful, and it looked amazing. Shop. It was the only shirt I did not have to have altered in any way. Yeah. Nice. So love yeah. it. So we yeah. just love, love being able to feel like we fit in, you know, and then we do people who are helping it, making it better for belonging for everybody. So thanks so much for a great night. And you know who my favorite butch icons are? All of you. Dana, Max, you're my icons. You're my role models. (laughs) Can't wait to see you next time. And we'll see you later, everybody. Peace out.
Let me shake your knees. 